0: Hi, welcome to BCI Cattle Chat. I'm Brad White, joined today by Dr. Brian Lubers, Dr. Philip Lancaster, and Dr. Bob Larson. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, morning Brad. Brad. Happy to have you with us and happy to have you with us listening as well. We've got a good show planned for today as we're going to talk through some preparations for calving season and talk about water use in the winter as well as talk some colostrum management and then maybe a little bit of time on supplementing the cows prior to calving. Before we get into those topics, I wanna to remind you if you, have a, if you have a topic or something you'd like us to talk about on the show, we're always happy to do that. You can send us an email at bci at ksu.edu. It's also a great way to sign up for our newsletter. Guys, at this time of year, we're getting ready to talk calving season, but it is still cold in many parts of the country. And we've had some cold snaps in different places. Wanna know what's your, beyond going out to work and do chores, what's a fun activity you like to do when you go outside in the cold? You know,
1: a couple of the fun activities do require snow. What's the most annoying about winter is if you get cold temperatures and no snow. But our family really like, does like to go sledding. And, you know, so if you, but you got to get enough snow and you got it, has got to be just right. But I think a, an afternoon of sledding is pretty darn fun.
2: I would, I'd agree with Bob. I mean, as, as a kid, we spend lots of time sledding when in the wintertime and stuff. And that's something I like to do with boys now is whenever we get some snow.
3: Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I grew up in central Kansas and there's not a lot of Hills. So sledding was (laughs) behind it, behind a pickup truck was our sledding. I, I, we just, we didn't acquire that. I, most of our favorite winter activities are indoor things, but the one thing we do do, and maybe this borderline chores, but, um, we do cut a lot of firewood in the winter and the kids are out there and we, you know, they're Got one kid running the splitter and one hauling. And, you know, it's, I don't know if they'd call it fun, but it, I, that's one thing <laughs> from, we do that from the dad from, perspective. From the dad perspective, that's what dads fun.
0: think of as fun.
3: Yeah. I guess we're, it's more, it's more fun than doing it by myself. How's that? Yeah. We're, we're too far
1: south, but I, I the, the whole concept of ice fishing is kind of intriguing to me. And, and like I said, I've never done that, but I, I find that an odd, winter activity but the folks farther north that seem to enjoy it they seem to really get into it
0: had you had you not called it odd somebody might have called and invited you ice fishing no i'm
2: willing
3: to try it just because like i said i've never done that but so when i think think it sounds like a great idea i'd take that (laughs) invitation
2: bob bob talks about ice fishing you know i I pictured the grumpy old man movie (laughs) which
0: is a classic and good movie yeah, <laughs> we'll send you we'll send you ice fishing, Bob. Yeah. So yeah, if anybody yeah. wants to take Bob ice fishing, yeah. you can just let us know.
1: Yep. Yeah, but again, central Kansas, uh, ice isn't really necessarily thick enough. So yeah. I need you got to go north.
0: Data. You gotta go north. So as we think about the winter and coming out of it and, and, and different parts of the country, people will start calving soon. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about today was if, if you guys were going to get ready for calving season, what would be some of the things you'd start putting together around your operation?
1: Well, a couple of things are are just the supplies you might need if you get into calving difficulty. So, you know, it, it seems like I can I can't always find my calving chains, and and the calf jack needs to be in good shape, and and then a couple of supplies that I have to order in, you know, some some lube and some disinfectant, those types of things. I think those are you know, kind of going through what you might need uh, and having enough supplies on hand is a really good idea.
3: Yeah. And I'd I'd throw gloves in there. So probably full length OB sleeves and some good latex gloves um, as well. And then I'd I'd think about maybe some calf management supplies. Um, So uh, that can be as simple as maybe just a, a dry, clean area where you can manage those dystocias. So if the calving barn hasn't been used for a year it might be time to check the gates and make sure the tins all screwed down tight and all that and have some hay some straw hay or something to bed it with Um, and then uh, i don't i sorry bob i I was not listening close enough but did you mention like a refresher on a calving school uh no i didn't but i think that's a really
1: good idea too is is make sure that again that you're ready and then the way i'm thinking about it is sometimes It's more than just one person involved with helping the calving. So maybe you're bringing some new people on that haven't had as much experience. Uh, So talking to your local veterinarian, going to a calving school, you know, again, making sure that you're ready for when, you know, it's, it might, it might not be at nine to five on a beautiful sunny day that you need uh, some assistance. Um, So being prepared for that.
2: What what about some things if you get a a newborn calf is hypothermia. What are, mm-hmm. what are some of those things we need to think about?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, basically that there, there's a couple of ways to warm a calf up, but really just getting them dry and getting them out of the wind and the, and the elements is, is probably the biggest thing. And I've seen some, I, I don't know, Bob and Brad, you guys can chime in too, but I've seen some really creative calf boxes out there. Um, you know, that range from anything from, you know, an old dog house to the newest plastic design you know specialty design calf hutch um, dry them off and get a heat lamp on them and generally that's probably good enough for the ones that you're actually gonna if you get them too late you're not probably gonna save them but the ones you can that's that's what I would tell people to have
1: yeah if those hot boxes or warming boxes I, I think they're kind of a double-edged sword in that I, I had a couple of clients that calved in the winter time and they had those hot boxes and I think those are really good Uh, to to get the body temperature up fast but you have to monitor them pretty closely because uh, you can get too hot and you go from hypothermia too cold to hyperthermia too hot pretty fast if you're not careful and then uh, some of like the plastic ones and things like that that are pretty enclosed the humidity can get really high so I like them but I like them in the hands of somebody that's monitoring them really closely Um, so sometimes just again bringing them to the back porch putting them on the floor of a pickup and blowing the heat on them is it doesn't raise their temperature quite
0: as fast but it does it in a
1: safe way so any of those are options um but
0: once they're once they're dry i mean if they were just born if you can get them dry that helps tremendously if their mom will do that that helps my wife made fun of me last year but i did find out that one of our boys old vests does fit a calf when we had that really cold snap (laughs) and one of those calves so put it on upside down just put the zipper on the top and it was all good. So, but I think there's lots of things you can do. You guys were talking about, so dystocia, some potential problems, thinking about it from the other side, the other things I, I like to get ready before we start calving is figuring out where my calving pastures are gonna be. And if they're gonna move out of those pastures, making sure the fences are ready. Cause it's sometimes it's nice to have a couple different pastures that I can start calving in one move some of the pregnant cows to another one. So I've got another one open. So getting some of those things ready as well as um, simply making sure I've got the right ear tags and whatever, if I want to tag those calves and I've got a little calving box that if I am going to tag them, castrate them, do anything else at birth, that all that stuff is ready to go. Cause it may have been a while since it's been used before.
1: Yeah. It's amazing how many things have gone missing in that timeframe, or maybe they're broken and it's like, why, why wasn't this fixed in the meantime? So,
0: oh, but yeah. haven't you grabbed the, you go, oh, I'm going to grab the taggers out of the calving box because I know right where they are and I will put them back this time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> until, exactly. Until you get out to tag the calf and they're not there. The problem is when, the real problem is when you can only blame yourself, right? When you know it wasn't someone else that made this mistake. So spend a little time prep work, I think is a good idea, especially in these chilly days. Speaking of chilly days, even we talked in the summer the importance of water and how important it is to have adequate water supply for, for cattle. And depending on what, what references you look at, our, our needs for water in the winter, maybe half what they are in the summer. So if, if a cow's drinking a gallon and a half of water per hundred pounds in the summer, in the winter, she may be drinking a half gallon or three quarter gallon per hundred pounds. So six to, six to 10 gallons for, for a cow but she's still drinking water. What are some of the things you guys think about that are important for wintertime water management?
1: It kind of ties back to one of the things you said is sometimes um, cows are um, in, in, you know, they're out on winter stocks or I've got a couple of different calving pastures. So I need to be prepared in a number of locations. Yes, right, right where we are now. But again, if we're in this planning ahead mode, it's also planning ahead to make sure that we've got, uh, you know, water set up wherever we're going to need it. Um, but yeah, one of the things that I see is, is um, is is I guess, I'm going to put it under the category of access, in that again, where we live, it gets cold, but it doesn't necessarily stay cold. So it can get real muddy and torn up around the water sources. Uh, and so that can really then cattle don't want to come to water or make it difficult. So I think getting in there with a, a tractor or a scraper and making sure that, that the area around the, the the tank or the automatic water or gravel or some way to make sure that, again, that easy access. I don't want it to be difficult to get to water.
3: Well, and, and I think I'll kind of piggyback on what Bob said, you know, with access. I mean, the obvious one is water freezes during the wintertime, right? And so we need to make sure that we have some sort of plan to make sure that that, they're, that they're, all of their water sources aren't frozen over. And with the, the access and the footing, especially if, if people are, are breaking ice on a pond, that's even more restricted or it's a more restricted point. And so that footing can get really bad. But, you know, the obvious one is is just making sure that it, it's not frozen over so they can actually get to the water.
2: One you know, one of the things that, that I think about that um, if you're keeping that water, thawed out using electricity, sometimes you can have a short that will give those cattle a little bit of a shock and they'll stop drinking. And so, and it's hard to to see that at first. And so, one of, I mean, one of the things to look for is, is if they stop eating. If cattle are not drinking, the first thing they will do is stop eating and back off feed. So that's something as a, a sign to look for.
1: Well, then one other thing, and this does remind me of just kind of what happens in the winter is A lot of times I am using electricity to keep uh, tanks open. Well, what if the electricity goes out? You have an ice storm or snowstorm or something like that. And so, you know, another part of access to water is making sure that you've got a backup generator plan for both pumps and de-icers. So that again, because cattle, water is the most important nutrient as far as it's where they get into trouble the fastest if they don't have access to it. So they really do need uh, access to water and they can't be without it for very long.
0: Well, and some of those, some of the tanks that are freeze proof tanks or either electric or not have relatively small capacity. So they're reliant on whether it's coming from a well or another water source, they're reliant on that thing refilling relatively quickly. So without electricity, that can be challenging. The other thing that happens is sometimes that'll happen and people will end up hauling water or hauling water based on cattle that are out on corn stalks or something similar. And, and Bob, our offices are right down the hall from a toxicologist. I know you you had a conversation with him the other day about that.
1: Yeah, he was complaining because they've had a number of calls recently where people had the whole water either, you know, again, taking them out to stock fields or something like that. And you know the, the, the big thing to avoid is using a tank that uh, had herbicides or, or uh, insecticides or something like that in it and and those are oftentimes the large tanks we have available or they were used for something else or what he says that the sneakier one is the tank wasn't used for any other chemicals but the pump or the hoses were and and um, you can get into toxicology problems really fast and the problem with toxicology problems is the cows aren't just sick a lot of times they're dead and there's several of them and so he would emphasize and we need to probably get him on here to emphasize this himself but uh when you're when you're hauling water, that all the the pump, the hoses, and the tank all have to be des- designated for water and not for any other ag
0: chemicals. You can't just rinse them out and think yeah. Good.
1: And, and and I'm not sure I really understood that until I had talked to him that much. But he he basically says you can't rinse them well enough to be 100 percent sure that you're not going to get into trouble. So
0: yeah, uh, and depending on what chemicals you're using, some of them take a, a really small amount to cause severe effects. So just be cautious, have a, have a plan. And, and I think that's what's good about thinking about this stuff ahead of time is maybe you can think about some of the obstacles and maybe come up with a, a good way to solve them. And that leads us to this week's BCI Cattle Chat Checklist. Our BCI Cattle Chat Checklist this week is about managing your water in winter. Number four,
3: ensure that water sources are not frozen over during cold spells. Number three, don't use pipes, tanks, or hoses to provide
1: water if they were used for ag chemicals.
2: Number two, maintain easy access to
3: water. And number one, provide adequate quantity of water. And that's our BCI
0: Cattle Chat checklist for this week. One of the things that we talk about a lot with the vet students, and I know, Philip, you addressed with some of the animal science students as well, is the importance of colostrum, or how, how big an impact that has on calves, because that first milk that they get provides them a lot of their immunity for the first four to six months of life, depending on which pathogen we're talking about. And in dairy cattle, where most of our animal health research on colostrum has been done, they talk a lot about measuring the colostrum, making sure it has the right concentration and that the calves get the right quantity, and on the beef side, we say, I hope the cow does well, mostly. So how do, what do you guys do? Is there more that we can do to try to manage colostrum and be sure that our beef calves get an adequate both quantity and quality of colostrum?
1: One of the places that I start is um, with beef cattle. Uh, what I'm really wanting is for that calf to be born in a way so that he jumps up pretty soon after birth and and suckles from the cow. So that means kind of managing my my calving difficulty because the the scenario when the calf is flat out on its side, it's been exhausted from a difficult birthing process or the dam is exhausted and laying down and not up. Those are the situations when colostrum intake is really going to be delayed uh, to where we could get into trouble. So I mean it sounds a little bit boring or weird but it's a one of the ways you make sure because colostrum is important. I agree and we're not going to milk out a beef cow very often or anything like that. Just make sure that that calf and cow can bond and that she's ready to give him good colostrum and he's ready to jump up. So those, those are, you yeah. know, and again, it's, it's not about colostrum itself. It's about making sure that the calf is ready to get colostrum.
2: On well, some of those dystocia situations, that calf is stressed. The absorption of the antibodies after they get colostrum is reduced. And so I, I don't know, but it, it, would it help to increase the amount of colostrum that you give them to increase the amount that's absorbed?
1: Yeah, and and that really gets to one of the things that I think is true is, again, like in dairy calves, a human is going to hand deliver colostrum to every calf. In a beef operation, I'm not going to do that very often. I'm counting on the cow to deliver uh, the colostrum to the calf, but the exception would be those difficult birthing situations, and that's where I really may I may, even if I think the calf, I can get the calf up to suckle, I may add some extra colostrum uh, if I've got it. So when I'm talking about a beef operation, uh, a calving difficulty calf is probably the animal I'm most likely to give supplemental colostrum to.
0: Yeah. But it's it's not the same, uh, sorry, Brian, it's not the same concentration of colostrum. When we talk colostrum, the concentration that we're thinking about is the proteins that are in there or the immunity that's in there. And beef cows typically have more concentrated colostrum. So to your question, Philip, does it help to give more? It depends on where is more from, right? So given a little bit more of like a dairy colostrum, maybe a little bit dilute, given a supplemental off the shelf that you can buy colostrum typically has a lot of those proteins in it. Sorry, Brian, I cut you off. No,
3: that's okay. And I think, I think one of the things to Maybe we should just go back and reiterate a point: is that, you know, we say, and I agree with what Bob and Philip said that a dystocia is probably a good place to intervene with some some human-administered colostrum in a beef operation. But the 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 important thing is the timing of that colostrum administration, and so it doesn't even even a short delay in the consumption of colostrum really reduces the amount of absorption. And so, you know, if it's if we're getting out to Eight to twelve hours after calving, you know, when we get to 24 hours, we know that the absorption of colostrum is is really limited to almost nothing. And so if, if the the situation is such a is is such where either the calf isn't able to suckle or the dam is too exhausted um, and isn't able to stand where that calf can suckle within even the first four to eight hours. You might think about an intervention at that, and certainly if we get to twelve to to approaching twenty four hours we need to we need to do something so those are the places where um I, I think even in a beef operation it's it's a point where administering some supplemental colostrum would be a good idea. all right, so I'm going to point a question at, at Dr. Lubers so what's your source
1: of colostrum that is your preference? Do you want to milk out a beef cow and get her colostrum from her? do you want to get a dairy. And again, uh, is there a dairy locally available that even has colostrum that I could possibly get? Or would you buy one of the powdered colostrums? Which of those, and what's the pluses and minuses of each of those?
3: Yeah. So, uh, and I'll I'll add a fourth option, which is um, if you are able to collect and freeze colostrum from your own herd, either earlier in that Calving, so basically, one of the one of the first births uh, within your calving season, or if you have a spring fall season, you probably can save frozen colostrum for uh, you know six months to a year. And I I don't know that I have data to support how long it lasts frozen, but I think once you get out to a year, I would start to be concerned about the quality of it. But so my preferences would be um, either frozen from your herd or milked out from your herd from that dam. So, and there are pluses and minuses to both of those. The next best choice is probably a powdered supplement from, and I'm thinking specifically from a health perspective, and we can talk about practicality and that order may switch. And and I think the last and probably the very last option would be a colostrum, a, a colostrum source, from another herd and and whether it's dairy or another beef herd, it doesn't matter. I I worry about the disease transmission potential from those sources. If I don't know those herds, there there are diseases that can be transmitted. So, so I would say really for all practicality, it's either a powdered supplement or it's colostrum from your own herd. Yeah. And,
1: and I, I liked what you said. I I do think colostrum from my own herd is probably the best from the biology standpoint, but that is not a, I'm usually not in a good mood if I'm trying to milk out colostrum from a dairy from a beef cow or a beef heifer, uh, and so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna lean towards that powdered colostrum. It may not be quite as good biologically, but I don't say bad words nearly as much as I'm mixing that up as I did trying to get colostrum from a cow.
0: Yeah, well, I it, think it's probably best, but but certainly the practicality does does play a role there. And it, and I think as you guys are talking, one of the things to keep in mind that. That colostrum is made of proteins. Those proteins are put there by the cow. So she has to be in decent body condition, right? Her body condition impacts how much she's going to do it. And it's most of it is made that last four to six weeks. And especially as she gets closer and closer to calving. So, so I'd like to, I I do want to talk about one more thing relative to body score and and real quick, Philip, I'm just going to ask your opinion on People talk about supplementing fat to cows, and what's the what's the value of that at this stage right before calving? Well,
2: so the so there's a couple different ideas with supplementing fat from a, a nutrition standpoint and then a, a physiological standpoint. Obviously, fat has a higher calorie density, and so we can add fat to a supplement and increase the energy intake of those cows um, with less uh, amount of supplement. But also, you got to look at price as as well. But then on the the physiology side, there's some evidence that says fat may improve reproductive function. It may improve the cold tolerance and survivability of, of newborn calves if the dams have been supplemented with fat during that last trimester. But some interesting things is that all of the research doesn't necessarily say the same thing. So there may be some situational things that make it work and don't that we don't fully understand. Um, and then there's a difference between a, a late gestation cow and an early lactation cow. Some, some evidence indicates that if we supplement fat to early lactation cows, it can actually reduce reproductive performance uh, in those cows. And so there's there's some things to think about here and, and some logistics of, well, you know, if you got late gestation and early lactation cows in the same pasture you know how what do you do there and so those are those are some of the the things that i would i would uh, think about
0: so maybe a good area to talk to somebody that works with you on your nutrition or talk to to some of the neighbors around because the other issue with fat is the delivery mechanism right so there are some supplements that may have some fat in it you know, When we talk about a, a confined cattle ration, often they may have a way of mixing in a liquid fat component, but you don't want to get that too high in the diet because it changes how the how the rumen is going to be able to ferment and process some of the other things that we're feeding like, hay, at this point. So appreciate you guys' input on several of these topics. And as you think about it, a lot of our kind of theme today was be sure you're ready for calving season. Be sure you're ready for water events that may occur. And then with calving season comes our colostrum. So we appreciate you joining us today. And if you have any other thoughts, comments, questions, you can always send us an email at bci.ksu.edu.